Welcome to the Lady Preacher Podcast, a podcast for the progressive Christian, where we talk about an all-loving God, an embodied Christ, and an ever-moving spirit. Dive right in as we wrestle with what it means to live out our faith in the world. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Lady Preacher podcast. I am your host, Pastor Kelsey Beebe. And as always, I am so thankful that you are joining us. I do want to offer a little bit of a housekeeping note. I know a lot of you love this podcast, want to support this podcast, and I want to share with you a few ways that you can do that. One way that is simple and easy is if you listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, if you can rate the podcast and leave a review, that means the absolute world to me. And it also helps get the word out. It's like free marketing. When you leave a review, leave a comment, that pushes this podcast out to other people who might not have heard about it before. So that is one way. Another way, share an episode with someone you love, share it on your social media, That is another great way to get the word out. And third, we do have an option to support financially. So each episode costs us about $25, $30 to produce. If you would like to support us monetarily, you can go to dancingpastor.org and there is a link there to give. We use Tithely for giving and you can do a one-time gift. You can set up a monthly gift, but even just a dollar or $5 makes a huge difference and helps us to put out incredible content. I do have an amazing, amazing sound editor and I would love to be able to pay her more because she does so much for us. Truly, truly. Her name is Brie Daniel. She is amazing. And I owe everything to her. We would not have this podcast if it were not for Brie Daniel and the amazing editing work that she does every single week. So those are some simple and easy ways you can support us. And as always, you can find me on Instagram at Pastor Kelsey B or on Facebook, also at facebook.com slash Pastor Kelsey B. All right, let's dive in. This week, I have an incredible guest. His name is Reverend Jonathan Favors Grimes. And Reverend Jonathan is a native of Atlanta, Georgia, where he resides with his family. And his ministry began in the Methodist Church, the AME Church, uh, but he is now more of an ecumenical minister. And he is here to talk to us about his ministry, what it is like to be a Black man, a Christian in America. And just his his experience moving through his faith, his spiritual journey, and what he's doing now with his ministry is so incredible. He recently founded Olive Tree Community, which is a micro-intentional church community. They meet bi-weekly for prayer and study and worship, but they're also really about connecting at a micro level and building small and intentional community. They don't require membership, um, but they do call their people who join them their branchers, which I think is such a cool term. And you'll hear him talk more about that. They are multicultural, multi-ethnic and multi-generational. They're made up of people who have never gone to church before, uh, people who are questioning their faith, people who have dropped out of church, people who still go to church. I mean, it is an incredible and diverse community. And I am so grateful to Reverend Jonathan for sharing with us about that and what his hopes are. And also just, like I said, his own faith journey and what it is like to be a Black Christian man in the United States. I was so honored to have this conversation and I'm so honored to be able to share with you. Let's dive in. 
Welcome with me, Reverend Jonathan Favors Grimes. Hi, Jonathan. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. (laughs) I'm so glad to have you here today. So I've given our listeners a little bit of an introduction to who you are and your ministry, but I would love for you to introduce yourself as well. So can you give us kind of the lowdown? Who are you? What's your ministry? And then also, who are you outside of ministry? What do you love? So I am Jonathan Favors Grimes, Reverend Jonathan Favors Grimes too. Many in a formal way. I am a native of Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm older brother of four. And I am someone's son, grandson, a friend to many. I was a former first mister. Uh, that means in the black church, they call those who are ministers, spouses or whatever, first ladies, first gentlemen. But I like to use a contemporary term and say first mister. So my former partner was a minister also, and I was her first mister. But I'm a surrogate parent to a little growing seven-year-old. And yeah, outside of ministry, I am an adventurer. I love to get my hands in the dirt figuratively and literally because I do gardening. I have a beautiful garden with flowers and vegetables out in my front and backyard and love to travel. I'm a person of many hats. I'm a family person. Love my family. I may not like a lot of them, but I love them. And (laughs) (laughs) I am a vessel and someone who is green, like Kermit the Frog. It's not that easy being green, so I live by that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much. That's wonderful. Okay, so I want to hear more about your ministry of Olive Tree. Can you tell us what is Olive Tree? And then, no pun intended, what are its roots? (laughs) (laughs) Olive Tree Community is an intentional community. Um, It originally started many years ago as a campus ministry that I was doing for collegiate students in the Midwest. And of course, I rebranded it to be more intentional, more community-oriented and focused. Within the year of 2017, 2018, that's where my focus began, about being more of a minister to my local community and really to get to know my neighbors and just get my hands and feet in the dirt, into the miry clay of just getting to know people, being an activist and et cetera. Since those years of 2017 and 18, I kind of made up a lot of excuses not to have people in my sacred space. Okay, my home is too small or it's too crowded or this, you know, my little one is going to be running, greeting everybody like a little puppy. But since the pandemic, guys was like, you know, trying to have no excuse. There is no excuse to do what you feel the spirit is nudging you to do. And so I sought this opportunity, one, um, during the pandemic to feed the sheep, to feed those who were hungry. And what way to do it by saying, okay, it's time to start planting olive tree community. That's exactly we are year in being a full intentional community. Um, We will we are 
spread it throughout. We have seeds throughout the whole United United States, <laughs> and that's that's the tree pun. Is we have seeds throughout it. <laughs> <laughs> throughout the whole United States, and we call all of those who come within our community. We call them olive tree branchers because one of the things that the olive tree symbolizes is a tree. It's one of the oldest tree there is. You look at the Bible, the olive itself is a fruit and it has purification. It is one of the oldest fruit that has purification, that has medicine there. And so when those who come within our community and you don't have to be a member of a church, you just, you could be a a questioning person. You could be a person of another faith. We just want those to be in community with us. And one of our main duties is to seek shalom, you know, peace and reconciliation throughout our community and do that by purifying and whatever we do, just like you say, what our roots are, we are the olive tree community, which is a tree that has been planted by the rivers of water. And we're bringing forth our fruits, the olives, the olive tree, the branches in its season. And whatever we do or touch or whoever we touch, it shall prosper. I believe that. So we we have many um, initiatives that we'll focus on, like when we can gather in person. I hope to have us do a dinner church kind of thing, to which underneath that will be its own ministry. It won't be olive tree community, but it'll be a ministry, sub-ministry under. You know, the tree has its branches and each branch has its own way of doing it. So that's what will happen. Yes, I love it. And I love that you kept the the metaphor and the pun <laughs> going throughout your explanation. That was great. Well, and I feel like it's something that people really needed through the pandemic. People needed community They needed spiritual care, Um, you know, even people who, you know, don't necessarily belong to a church, but maybe needed that that support from Mm -hmm. other people. Yes, we we've had people who said I was on the edge of leaving church and this has become Olive Tree Community has become my church. And I said, well, I'm so glad and I would love to be your pastor. You know, however way you accept it. it. I I just left the institution of church. So, you know, everybody's so excited about going back to church. To be honest with you, I'm a preacher and I don't want to go back to church. I can care less about seeing some of the people. But I do, I do care about my spiritual life. And Olive Tree has, has given me that permission to exercise my faith, my spirituality, to even question it without any judgment, without people dictating, you know, the paths in which I should go or take. And that's what our branchers, our olive tree branchers feel also. We have we have ministers who have left the church and retired, and they find this to be their church. People who are members of church, but they're looking for a more intentional way of of just coming along, someone walking alongside them. And it's often when you're in bigger churches, sometimes you feel a little left out, like no one knows you exist. And so people have found their feet back on holy ground again. And that is what I want them to feel. I feel feel it because I feel 
there has been a tree planted in me and it's and it's growing and i'm so happy to see how this community is flourishing we meet every other week during the spring and summer for our evening wednesday evening prayer services and this year we're focusing on the lord's prayer and each week each minister will preach off a line petition on the lord's prayer and one of the things that i'm i'm trying to initiate within um, olive tree community is going back to to our roots why do we do what we do within our christendom why do we have the lord's prayer why is there an apostle's creed or a nazi's creed what is the decalogue to reintroduce these things these orders doctrine that we have forgotten or it hasn't been taught or maybe it has been introduced as a toxic way because it's twisted theology. No, I'm trying to untwist theology so that people will encounter God organically. I'm not forcing you to do it. I'm just showing you because when there is a time in your life, just like in this pandemic that we're in, when you find yourself at a crossroads, you don't know what to pray for. That liturgy will speak for your unspoken words. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to teach our community, to hide these truths within our heart that we may not sin against God, nor will we sin against our neighbor. It'll just be there and it'll come up when it needs to come. Mm, so that it'll bear good fruit in the mm -hmm. world. That's right. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I, I love what you say about going back to our roots and to things like the Lord's Prayer and the, the Ten Commandments and the creeds, because I think one of the things that I appreciate about Jesus's ministry, you know, I'm doing a sermon series right now um, on the podcast on Sermon on the Mount. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where we find the Lord's prayer. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I love the passages where Jesus says, you know, you have heard it has been said, but I tell you, and it's not that he's negating, he's talking about, he's coming to fulfill mm -hmm. and extending these things to their fullest fruition so that they can bear fruit. Because I think, you know, we, we take on certain commandments or or certain theologies around what we've learned in church structure or liturgy, mm -hmm. and they haven't been bearing good fruit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so right. So I sense you do, you're doing some pruning. Yes. Yes. The gardener. Yes. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. And, and it's working and it's working, I guess, in a way that I was taught, but in a way that really um, brings about what I've been feeling like in many years. I have not received from the church, which is why I had to leave because I had a deep hunger, a deep hunger for something that stuck to my bones. <laughs> and what way to taste and see by going back, by going back to the truth and, and really studying the truth. You might not like what the truth had to say, but I recognize even in the midst of that and, that, and we have acknowledged it in our community, that some of the truth might hurt and it might trigger. But if we can find a peace about it somewhere, you know, peace that surpasses all understanding. We may not understand why this happened. We may not understand, you know, 
why this bothers us so much, but if we can live with the peace, with some form of peace, then we know that God is doing God's work within us. God is doing a great work within us. And so I often tell those, our branchers from all over, it's like I'm a pastor to a nation right now. (laughs) I tell everyone, it's okay to wrestle. It's okay to question. It is okay to have doubts because that is what brings about growth. Absolutely. Because, you know, as kids, we're encouraged to ask questions. Like if you don't understand something, ask a question, Mm -hmm. clarify. You know, I used to get in a lot of trouble because I would do something without, you know, asking (laughs) for clarification. I mean, it still happens in my life. My husband's like, why did you do that without reading the instructions? Or like, why didn't you ask for help? But, you know, showing the value of that, that like when we're asking questions, we are learning. Mm -hmm. And so I love that you are helping your community and coming alongside them and, and doing it together. How can we wrestle with this? How can we, you know, look at new ways and ask new questions. I think that's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I, I live by asking questions. Um, and I'm a pilgrimer on, on a journey. And I don't worry about the answers. I just sit with that and see where those questions take me on the journey. And that's what I'm trying to teach us all. So is ask the questions. You may not get a final answer, but... Along the way, if you wrestle with it, if you have to, you know, take in or, or, or throw away some of that old teachings, good. you have to form your own theology in the midst of it. And whatever works for you, work it, work it, work it. Mm, that's beautiful. I want to go back to something you said about truth, because there's a, a piece of scripture and I'm not going to be able to remember where exactly it is, but it was when Jesus said that truth makes people uncomfortable. It might've been Paul. I can't remember, but about how, you know, when people get too close to the truth, it can make them uncomfortable. And I think I have seen that a lot in this past year. You know, when we come close to the truth, this it's not mm-hmm. always easy, you know, when right. someone tells us something, a hard truth that we need to hear, but don't necessarily want to hear, that can be tough. And, you know, can we continue to show up and wrestle right. in those moments? That's right. And I think what is missing within the church now is that people do, at least from our vocations as clergy, I can I can definitely say from from the churches that I've been a part of, there has not been permission. People have, at least, let, let me rephrase that, clergy have not given their parishioners or those who come within their, their fellowship permission to wrestle and, and to walk alongside them on the journey of wrestling. You know, I, I love that story in um, the Old Testament. I don't remember where we're about, you know, I'm glad you say you can't remember what scripture because that makes me feel good. <laughs> but um, there's a there's a story in the Old Testament that talks about Jacob wrestling, and he wrestled with God. But one thing, he held God to God's word and say, "Hey, guess what? You say you're gonna do this, and I'm gonna hold you to it. I'm not. I'm gonna hold on to you yes. until you bless me." So I want as as ministers, we have to. We have to tell those within our care that, hey, 
wrestle with God. Wrestle with them and hold God to God's truth. Hold God to God's word. And you will see and God will open up a window. God will pour out many blessings. God will do exactly what God said God is going to do. Mm. Mm. You just preached a word this morning, Pastor Jonathan. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering, uh, you know, every person has a, a testimony. And what you've been talking about has made me think of that something that you shared with me, which is that question that's been a part of your story, which is what did your Jesus do for you? Mm. And I am wondering and curious, what is your answer to this question? What did your Jesus do for you? Oh boy. Yes. What did my Jesus do for me? Well, my Jesus did a whole lot for me, a whole lot for me. And if I can quote my own tradition, I can say that my Jesus made a way when I didn't see no way. I, I, there were times in my life, especially even now, just as a black male, I don't know what the way is. I don't know what the future holds. And it's dangerous out there. But my God continues to make a way for me to live. <laughs> you know, God, keep my Jesus make a way out of no way. He opened so many doors for me opportunities I never thought would, would arise or just come. Um, being one of the youngest ministers within my local Methodist church, I, I remember it was 15 years ago, actually, when I preached my very first sermon. I've been in this ministry for about 20 years now, but to be a leader, a young leader in a church, where, you know, there's high, you know, I came out of Methodist church and there's bishops and everything, but the Lord made a way. He saw that I was called for this and he made a way for me to walk through it. And I never thought it. I never could imagine. And I still cannot believe that I wear a collar, that I put on a robe or stole right sermons. But my God, my Jesus did that. And my Jesus bared the burden. My Jesus bared my burdens. My Jesus knows what it's like to be cast out. My Jesus knows what it's like to be talked about and ridiculed or made fun of. And that, that's been what my life has been. Um, Jesus was this ordinary person. No, he was, I relate to Jesus because he was one of me. He was one of us. He was born of the Virgin Mary, a single mother. He had a surrogate father. He was born in a, 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 in a shack, you know, in a dirty stable. He had no place to lay his head. Jesus was homeless. He went to seminary, but he dropped out because his rabbi school was probably too conservative for him. So he, he left and he became an, un, an unordained street preacher. And that's who he witnessed to. And Jesus had no life insurance. He, his companion was somebody that other society has written off as a prostitute. His friends were people who they written off fishermen and tax collectors 
And the man who died didn't have a place to be buried. So he died. He was murdered, just like a lot of black men and women and a whole lot of people for 400 years have. He was murdered. And his mother suffered the pain and what it was like to see it. Jesus also had no trial. And the person who, the people who killed him wasn't convicted either. But he died. And of course, he rose again. He fulfilled the mission again. But I, Jesus, I look at my Jesus as being a radical. He did not confine to the norms. He did what, he was all about his father's peace business. And that's what I'm about. So that's what my Jesus did for me. That's who my Jesus is to me. Yeah. I love the way that you interweave so many of the experiences of people who are, who have been placed by society on the Mm -hmm. margins Mm -hmm. that Jesus's mother cried out like so many black mothers have cried out Mm -hmm. that Jesus had no trial, that his killer's had no trial. I think for Mm -hmm. me, that speaks so deeply to the experience I have come to witness in Black folks in this country. Oh, for many, many years, there's a long uh, cry for Black people because there is, there hasn't been justice for our people. And to see what happened a few weeks ago with George Floyd, you know, that is a step in the right direction, but it's long overdue, mm-hmm. long overdue. And every, every moment I, I count, count it as a moment of, divin- of divinity, you know, God in God's perfect timing, God know when and where, and to think that a lot of these things happen while we're in this pandemic, I believe we're in a we are in a chaos moment, and this is a time for us to reshift our thinking, to reshift our perspective, to reshift our theology, the way we um, act, the way we look at one another, how we treat one another. It's it's time to shift to a different paradigm. And I believe that there's fire. There is fire in this land. Good fire that is penetrating and sparking the souls of a lot of people right now. People have become very sick and tired. And I love when I can look on my TV and see people like you and I within our generation. Isaiah prophesied it. Even youth, young people will grow tired and weary. And you know what? We are. We are sick and tired of seeing that our neighbors, our LGBTQ people are being mistreated. Black people are being mistreated. Asian people are being mistreated. Immigrants are being separated. You know, being detained in detention centers. We are sick and tired of the sexism and the racism and the classism. And we want to do a change. We want to make a change about it. So there's a spark of fire 
that is happening in our nation. And, I, you know, however God did it, you know, this pandemic was not, I would never say that, you know, God sent this pandemic, but God allowed for it to happen to set our souls on fire, to bring about a great change in our nation and for the entire world. And I just, I thank God for that moment because it's just to see that this trial, the murder of George Floyd was convicted. To see that we have our first, praise Jesus, our first woman vice president who happens to be a woman of color and of Asian descent. You know, that's a work of God right there. And to see so many protests where people have lamented, they have cried, and and I just see the walls of Jericho is is con- they're coming down. All these idols, they're coming down, and God is getting all the glory for it. You uh, like I'm my arms are covered in goosebumps because <laughs> I you just changed my whole understanding of that scripture that even the young grow tired and weary. Mm-hmm. Just like you blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right that that it was prophesied. And when he says a little child will lead them mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. A little child will lead them. And I think of all of the young people mm-hmm. who are way more aware mm-hmm. <laughs> than I yes. was. Yes. At that age. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is amazing. And I am so grateful. And you are right that, that this is God leading us and guiding us and holding true Mm-hmm. Going back to what you were saying, to God's mm-hmm. promise. That's right. Yep. Yes. And as Dr. King said, he say, I may not get there, but we as a people will get to the promised land. And I believe we're, we're, we're crossing over Jordan into the promised land. We're getting there. We may have come a long way and we still have a long way to go, but we are getting to the promised land. We can see it. I mean, to see the election, my good friend and colleague, the Reverend Senator Reverend Dr. Raphael Warnock, to be Georgia's first black senator. That was a work of God. And to see that this red state turn purple and then go blue. Wow. Who would have thought in 30 years? Wow. Wow. And to see a young millennial Jewish man, the first Jewish man to take Congress as well. All with the help of of great black women such as my friend Stacey Abrams and and, and, um, uh, so many more. But I just say, wow, it took this to make that happen. I count everything as joy. And when we look back on it, we will remember that this has been a fruitful time. When we look back on it years from now, we probably, we will remember the pandemic, the many lives that were taken, the many lives that I I say, the many lives that was murdered by this deadly disease. And particularly people of color who have been murdered because of the lack of health care that has not been uh, supplied to them within their own neighborhoods. But we won't forget this. We will not forget this pandemic. 
But we re- we will remember the great things that happened in the midst of it. I mean, who would have thought that our president would be Joe Biden? I mean, everybody was stepping on their pins and needles at that moment. But when the day came, it was like a whole celebration. It was amazing to see people literally dancing in the street and the whole world singing praises to God. Because I would say Josiah has come back to the temple and Josiah has brought fresh manna back into God's temple. You talking about this makes me think of that verse from the gospel of John in the first chapter. And I I quote it all the time, but as you were talking about this pandemic and, you know, the, the dark time that it has been, but also the light that has shone through and the promise of scripture, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness mm-hmm. has not overcome it. And That's that is right. absolutely true in this past year. Mm-hmm. That's right. I pray it. God, let me see a glimpse of your face. Let me see you. Let me see you. And you know what? God does it. God, I see a glimpse of God's face through sunshine, through my neighbor, or, you know, through that precious little one. BB, come on, let's go. You know, just simple things as that. And that's when I know, when I look at my relationship with my creator, I've said this before when we spoke, just, I have returned to the Garden of Eden. I've returned to the Garden of Eden, the place where God dwelt. And God is still there. God is still here. Emmanuel, God is still with us. And we are not alone. But because we are human people, we are imperfect people, the fall of man is humanity has taken place. And that separated us from God. It separated us from God. And of course, Jesus restored that relationship when he came in human flesh to live amongst and to and to die for us. But I remember what David said. I will remain confident in this. And I I place whatever those two words in this is. I will remain confident in this pandemic. I will remain confident in in the hell that may be going on in my life. I will remain confident in this. That I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it's not easy to do that, but it is a reminder that goodness is still going on. Good things are still happening. And just as it said in Genesis, in Genesis chapter one, verse 31, when God looked at everything that he made or she made, whatever you call your God, when God looked at it, God said it was good. Wow. Thank you so much for your grace and your wisdom, Jonathan. You are just amazing. All right, Jonathan, are you ready for some rapid fire questions? Yeah, bring them on. (laughs) First one, if you could untangle one piece of bad theology for everyone forever, what would it be? I mean, to tell the truth, mainly both male and female. We both have um, male and feminine 
qualities, masculine and feminine qualities within us. And I as a male, you as a female, we have been taught by society to, you know, to shove it down. I think it's appropriate for men to cry and to show their feminine side, as well as allowing women to show their masculine side out in public and to not be ashamed of it. That's how God made us. God made us in the image of God, which means God has all the qualities there is, male, female, you name it. And because we are made into God's image, we also have it. So let's embrace it. Absolutely. And embracing that full spectrum of who you are. Yes, Mm -hmm. I'm on board. I'm on board. (laughs) Okay, what do you love about Jesus? What do I love about Jesus? So much, so much. He's green. As I always tell people that I am green, like Kermit the Frog. It's not that easy being green. And Jesus was green because he didn't do what society wanted him to do. He he did everything opposite. And, you know, green is easy to spot. You can go outside, you see green everywhere, but it's hard to to maintain that green. It's hard to keep the earth, you know, in its natural color. And Jesus, who was the greenest of all, was that. So for us to be little Jesuses as Christians is what they call it. Little Jesuses. It's hard in a world of so many Christians to really follow the ways of our carpenter, to be more like him. And the more we follow Jesus, the greener we become. Yes. What is your favorite verse or story in the Bible? Oh, boy, I have so many stories. And my favorite verse is one that is of Matthew chap, uh, chapter 10, verse 28. Are not a sparrow sold for a penny should fall on the ground without his father. And I believe my life is a sparrow. And when I fall, God is there to pick me right on up. God is there to pick me up. And the the hymn said, why should I be discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely when heaven is home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he for his eye is on a sparrow. And I know he watches me. So as I live life, I sing maybe not on tune sometimes, but I sing, (laughs) sing because there's a reason to be happy. I sing because, you know, I though my people have not received this full freedom, I am free. I am free in Christ. And so that that is my favorite verse. But stories, I love the story of Hannah. I recently preached on it last week about the story of Hannah who prayed for a son. And being a child, a prodigy of child abuse whose mother abused him, I really resonate with mothers who are good to their sons and and good to their children. Um, I love the book of Ruth. I love the book of Ruth. There's something about Ruth I love. And um, I love the story of Samuel, when God called Samuel. I I think that's an epitome of my life right there. (laughs) You say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I like that. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Thank you for that. All right. Jonathan, if you could ask God anything, what would you ask? Oh, wow. 
there's so many questions I could ask God, but the the biggest question, the deepest question within me is how long? How long would this last? How long will pain and suffering last for people who are oppressed, people who are hurting? How long will it last for me? When will I ever find rest from my own burdens of personal life and family struggles? It's mm, a powerful question. <laughs> okay, changing gears a little bit. What is your go-to comfort food right now? Wow. Okay, so um, I love, I have a sweet tooth. So I like anything sweet. Oh, see, I'm not the only one. Good. So, <laughs> I I love, um, I like anything with chocolate and anything like chocolate-covered peanuts. But recently, now I've gone back to my, one of my high school, college kind of snacks. You know, the goldfish with the extra cheddar on it. Oh, oh yeah. Those are so good. So <laughs> I, I, I would eat that. And then I started getting into, start. Periodically, I would go and get me a cherry Coke, Coca-Cola. I couldn't be from Georgia without drinking a Coca-Cola. So cherry vanilla is my preference. And then I would get my famous Amos chocolate chip cookies. I love chocolate chip cookies. And if it's not the chocolate chip cookies, I have found myself getting um, those Little Debbie uh, chocolate donuts. Oh my God, they're so good. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so one extra question I'm throwing in for uh, for pastors recently, and this is a question Brene Brown asks a lot of her guests. What is something people often get wrong about you? Well, (laughs) probably when people look at me or when people see me within my role, they often think I'm very mean. (laughs) <laughs> because I, I do come with a, a stern or a no-nonsense approach. I am serious about what I do. And and for that reason, I am that way because I know who I am, what my training is, what my upbringing is, and I should not have to prove anything to you. So I'm sure that people probably think that I'm very mean or could be very itchy, you know, (laughs) but I say, well, you know, once you take a bite out of me, uh, you find out that I'm eventually pretty sweet. You know, I always said that I'm a Sour Patch kid, you know, I'm, I'm bittersweet. I can be rough and bitter on the outside, but if you take a bite out of me, you find out that I'm actually sweet and soft in the inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that image. I love that. Okay. Last question, Jonathan, what is filling your well right now? Living water. Living water is filling my, my wind. Knowing that the spirit is alive and active amongst us. And that same spirit has interceded for me when I just didn't have the words to pray or things to say for six years of grieving and personal losses in my own family and stuff. That spirit, the comforter, has definitely walked with me and journeyed with me. Um, But also seeing that there is fruit bearing. Well, there's fruit. There is fruit bearing in our season. And 
all we had to do is just taste and see that our God is good. And we would know that we have found fullness. Fullness that my cup runs over and it will never run dry. It just keeps overflowing. So I I see the abundance of blessings coming. You know, blessings in disguise have happened. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much, Reverend Jonathan, for your time and for your wisdom and for the good word that you preached today. I know my spirit (laughs) needed it, and I am sure that of others as well for those who are listening. So thank you so much. I will put links to Olive Tree and your blog and all of your ministry into the show notes. So I encourage people to look those up and check you out. And thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for just allowing me the space to tell part of my story, who I am and what makes my heart sing and what also shatters my heart as well. But thank you, Pastor Kelsey, for stewarding your privilege to me and extending the olive branch to me. I I really appreciate it and take it. Don't take this moment lightly to see someone who is opposite of me to sit down and just have a moment, a conversation with two pastors and just, just, you know, draw near to God and God draw near to us. Or as I've said before in the prayer, meet God in the place which God comes to meet us. And we have met God. And I told this to, um, my friend Barbara Brown Taylor is that when divinity meets you in something that is ordinary and makes it in an extraordinary moment, we have had a holy moment. Yes, we have. Thank you so much. My friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I am so grateful for you. Without you, this ministry would not be possible. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. The Lady Preacher podcast is part of a nonprofit called Dancing Pastor Ministries. And you can find us online at dancingpastor.org or join the community by finding us on Facebook at Dancing Pastor Ministries. If you would like to be a part of supporting this podcast, there are many ways you can do that without giving monetarily. You can share our posts on social media, send an episode to a friend, or just leave a review. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so at dancingpastor.org slash give. My friend, you are a gift. Thank you for being here and God bless.